everyone. Welcome to episode 29 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done one of these. I've been away for uh, the last week, so yeah, apologies, couldn't do one then, but uh, back on deck now. So we'll be covering all the security updates from the past two weeks, and I'll be talking to Joe to follow up on our previous discussion on IoT security, and in particular talking about Ubuntu Core, as well as we'll have a look at a couple of announcements from the Ubuntu security community, in particular about the uh, 1904 Disco Dingo release and the uh, transitioning of trusty 1404 long-term support to extended security maintenance. Okay, so let's get into it. So in the past two weeks, the team has made updates for 53 CVEs across the supported Ubuntu releases. I'm going to start with libxslt. So this is a library developed by the GNOME developers to go along with libxml. Uh, it's used to transform uh, XML via XML definitions, XSLT, uh, the definition of it. And within it, it includes a security framework because with XSLT, you can do things like uh, read and write files off the file system and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, they include a uh, security framework to try and limit uh, what kind of things can be done. So for various functions, they would check, you know, did the security framework allow it or not? And if it was disallowed, it would not occur and an error would come. But if it had an error, so in the case of, say, you tried to include a resource uh, that looked like it came from a malformed URL, that would be, it should be disallowed because the URL's uh, invalid, but it would return an error code and this wouldn't get picked up as a denial. So then it would go on and try to include that URL. And if it actually was valid and could include it, you'd be able to bypass the uh, security framework. So that's now been fixed just to make sure that uh, these error values are also caught and treated as though they were denials as part of the policy. We've also got an update for WebKit GTK. So this is the component that's used uh, in particular for captive portal handling within Network Manager. So if you use the Ubuntu desktop and you are connecting to, say, free Wi-Fi networks and that kind of thing, uh, this is being used to render those. Uh, in this case, there's a wide mix of security issues that have been fixed, uh, including things like cross-site scripting attacks or denial of service or even possible arbitrary code execution if you were visiting a malicious website. So they've all been fixed for Bionic and Cosmic. We've got an update for OpenJDK 11. So this is just one CVE that was addressed for Bionic. Uh, in particular, this is a backport of the OpenJDK 11 from Disco to Bionic that includes this minor security fix. And this was for a memory disclosure issue that could possibly be used uh, by an attacker to bypass the Java sandbox restrictions. So that's been fixed. We've got another update for Firefox. So back in episode 26, you may recall, I talked about uh, Firefox regression. Uh, so Firefox had released version 66 and then they released version 66.0.1 and 66.0.2 to cover various regressions. And now we have a 66.0.3 to handle further regressions, uh, in particular for the way that keyboard code handling had been changed uh, in version 66. So that's been fixed by taking this latest uh, Firefox release. We have an update for NTFS 3G. Now, unlike most of our other updates, this isn't a particular CVE update. You may recall back in episode 25, I talked about an update for NTFS 3G where uh, we fixed a possible heat buffer overflow. And the problem was that in Debian and Ubuntu, uh, NTFS 3G is set UID root. And so with this heat buffer overflow, it was possible that a local user might be able to escalate uh, their privileges to root through this uh, attack. 
So what we've done in this update for NTFS 3G is we have now removed the setuid root uh, permission from it uh, so additionally harden it and so that then means that any other vulnerabilities that might be there uh, can't then be used for privilege escalation in the future and so say that previous vulnerability would have only been a possible code execution as the local user or maybe you know, denial of service if they could crash it and not actually uh, root privilege escalation as it was. So yeah, that's a hardening update for NTFS 3G. We have an update for ZNC. Uh, this is one CVE that we've fixed uh, in Cosmic only at this stage. Uh, this should be backported uh, to other releases as well in the future. Uh, but for now, this was uh, a crash that could occur if a client uh, was using uh, an invalid character encoding. And so uh, if a remote user specified an invalid character encoding, uh, ZNC would not handle that properly and would crash and so yeah that's been fixed to now just fall back to UDF8 if uh, an unknown character encoding has been specified. We've got an update for Dovecot. This is one CVE that was affixed for uh, Dovecot in Cosmic and Disco. Uh, this only affects Dovecot 2.3 and so it doesn't affect the versions of Dovecot that are in Bionic and previous releases. Uh, in this case, again, similar to the ZNC case, uh, in proper handling of invalid UTF-8 sequences, particularly in the username, uh, when it was then encoding that to JSON could cause the authentication service to crash. So you could get a denial of service against Dovecot. We have an update for Pacemaker. So three CVEs here that were fixed for Xenial, Bionic, Cosmic and Disco. Uh, Pacemaker is the cluster resource manager uh, used as high availability, high availability and load balancing component for OpenStack. These were all discovered by Jan Picorni, and in all cases, these are related to local attackers, so it's not you know, network uh, attackable or anything, but it could allow a local attacker to possibly escalate their privileges or cause a denial of service, or even to cause sensitive information to be leaked into system logs. So uh, those three vulnerabilities have now been fixed for Pacemaker. We've got an update for PHP. So this is for PHP 7.2 and 7.0 across Xenial, Bionic, Cosmic, and Disco. Uh, in both cases, it was uh, buffer overflows when processing certain EXIF tags uh, in images. And so these could lead to you know, possible information disclosure if you're reading too far past the buffer, or maybe a possible crash if you read outside of you know valid memory segment. And so it's an older service. So they've been now been fixed for PHP. We've also got an update for PHP in uh, precise extended security maintenance and trusty. Uh, seven CVEs here. Uh, these were all covered back in episode 26 for all the standard releases. So yeah, if you want more details on that, you can go back and listen to that uh, episode. Next, we have an update for advanced comp. So I mentioned this back in episode 27. Uh, we talked about that there where it was updated for all the standard releases and we've now released an update for disco now that that is officially released as i'll talk about later uh, so that one cv has been fixed for disco we have an update for free radius uh, these are two cves that were fixed for bionic cosmic and disco as you may recall, back in episode 28, I talked about uh, some updates for WPA Supplicant and Host APD uh, for these possible dragon blood attacks. And so we've got uh, two possible attacks that could have also been made against Free Radius in the same way to bypass authentication uh, for the Free Radius server. And so that has now been fixed for that as well. 
Uh, a couple more to go. We've got an update for TCP flow. So two CVEs here that were fixed for Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. The first one, a stack-based buffer overflow, and the second one, an integer overflow. Uh, both of these would lead to you know the usual outcomes. In the case of the stack-based buffer overflow, you know you get a crash and denial of service, or maybe information disclosure. Uh, and similarly for the integer overflow. And lastly, we've got an update for bind. So one CVE here fixed for Xenial, Bionic, Cosmic, and Disco. This was a denial of service, so it was possible that uh, in the right configuration, you could uh, bypass Bind's normal limits on simultaneous TCP client connections. And so therefore you could get it to consume a fair bit more resources by having it open up more connections than it should allow uh, and therefore cause a denial of service. So that's been fixed. And that takes us to the end of the usual list of uh, vulnerabilities and updates. So in the previous episode, I talked to Joe about IoT security issues. And so we thought we should follow this up a bit more this week with a discussion of about Ubuntu Core, which is the Ubuntu version specifically designed for IoT and about how this has been designed to avoid many of these sorts of IoT security issues that we talk about each week from the outset. Yeah, I think what last week we were talking about some of the current issues with uh, IoT hacks. And we just want to talk about you know, how, how these things happen, what you can do to address them, and then, you know, some of our own solutions like Ubuntu Core. So um, I think before we go into how, how to address these issues, let's talk about, like, I think one of the most recent and exciting hacks is the Triton, Triton malware hack. So Triton, it is a, it's targeted against industrial control systems. And some people still try to make a distinction between, like, IoT, IIoT, industrial IoT, um, SCADA, which is supervisory control and data acquisition, and then ICS, industrial control systems. But I think realistically, they're all the same thing. They're all devices that are interfacing internet with the physical world. So that's, you can control something. So from something as simple as, a, as an internet connected light bulb, like the U light bulbs, um, all the way through, um, I think the, the biggest, uh, some of the biggest examples like the um, Stuxnet, which was affecting the nuclear, um, the nuclear the centrifuges in in uh in with iran i think so um anything along that gamut that's all iot you're interfacing the physical world with the virtual with actually the ether world ethernet <laughs> and so um triton was one that that attacked industrial control systems and um i think I'm not sure. I believe there was a successful attack of it. It pretty much seems like it's probably nation state because of how targeted it is against a certain model of industrial control system. I think it was Schneider Electric. Um, and what it could do is essentially it could turn things off. It could move valves. It could it could cause serious damage. Um, so there was also another attack. I think it was maybe two years ago. Um, I believe it was the um, Ukrainian power grid. And um, what had happened was they sent a malicious attachment in an email that attachment exploited like a eight-year-old uh vulnerability for ms word <laughs> so that vulnerability actually shut down part of the power grid um i think it was around um uh, around new year's if, uh, a year or two ago in the ukraine so these things are real world attacks so um what you see from these attacks are that we've got these devices that can do a ton of things and they're just not built with security at the forefront. They're not built for security from the ground up. You know, what are the um, what are some of the things that we focus on with security? So that's like compartmentalization, privilege separation, um, accountability. So you can think of the CIA triad, um, all those things. Um, so with compartmentalization, you know, you compromise an IoT device, you can get into it. And then if it's got any data from other services running on it, 
other hard-coded passwords. You've got things to get into the network, et cetera. Um, you know, if there's no privilege separation, if you can compromise the web UI that's used to, um, you know, control the um, to control the upper and lower limits of some sensor reading, or even like SNMP, things still have SNMP and still ship with the read-write community string of what? I think it's private, right? By default on most systems. Um, I think public for read-only. Like, you wouldn't think that happens, but it still ships like that. Um, so that can run as root. Then you can upload commands and do things to the box. So um, we need to talk about how we can fix those things. Yeah. Alex, so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so we have Ubuntu Core, um, and that is the, uh, it's kind of, it's not, in Ubuntu, we have a number of different flavors, and it's not really a flavor. It's um, kind of a repurposing of Ubuntu, uh, specifically for IoT. So uh, it doesn't use DEBs. It um, it uses Snaps. It's an all-Snap system, and that gives it a lot of different advantages. Yeah, yeah. You know, Snaps are pretty neat. Snaps are compartmentalized um, distributions of code. So... You can, you can have something that relies on, let's say, a certain version of a Python library or a certain version of um, Nginx running in one snap and be totally compartmentalized to a different snap. It stores data in a place that any other snap couldn't access. You can totally limit it. Plus, it has app armor built on top. It's got mandatory access control. I think you know some of the things neat like that it, that it does auto-updating. Um, didn't we do a big auto update of a vulnerability with a snap for uh, Canonical a while back, Alex? That was SnapD itself. That was so SnapD itself had a vulnerability. You know, unfortunately, uh, these things happen. The code we write also can contain vulnerabilities. Uh, but yeah, because SnapD can auto update, uh, that was pushed out, and yeah, everything is automatically protected as a result. And I guess what you're saying, Joe, because each thing is self-contained uh, and we have the mandatory access controls of AppArmor, plus we leverage things like SecComp and separate mount namespaces and that kind of thing for snaps, uh, they're very separate from each other. So that, yes, if you can compromise one snap, uh, you're not necessarily then able to pivot uh, to the contents of another snap and reuse that. So like you said, if it has credentials for some other part of your network, you're not able to get into that and you can only get access to what that single snap has access to. So that uh, principle of uh, least authority is also part of the snap world as well. Yeah, and even if you're, even if for some reason you're not going to run Ubuntu Core, maybe you're going to run standard Ubuntu or whatever other IoT distro that you've got running, um, there's some things you should do to initially harden it before you roll them out into production. I think we mentioned this last week, but a lot of these devices, when you get them, are set up sort of, what I'll say is developer mode. They want you to get up to speed and get running fast, right? They're not thinking about, okay, well, we don't want this to be a difficult experience to get up to speed, so there's going to be no firewall. There's going to be um, a web page that runs by default that'll let you change the default SSID or change root password or things like that. Oh, no, by the way, the, the name of the, the, the root password is actually um, the name of the vendor. And if you just look up the MAC address, you'll figure out who the vendor is, right? So if you're going to develop something, Obviously, just use require SSH keys if you're going to have SSH. Make, why do you even need SSH on by default to the public to to the internet? Maybe you can make a a default uh, setting in your in your initial setup that says what IP space can be um, can access this, um, and use keys and do auto updates um, and you know, put a firewall on right. Put um put put you know think about it like your like your house right. You've got doors and windows. Um, you can leave them open when you 
when you leave the house, but someone could could break in. So you want to um, close the window and lock it, even though someone could still break the glass, they're going to move on to the other target. So you want to make your IoT device the harder target. Um, so just do do those things. Think about the lessons we learned um, over security in the last, what, 40 years of internet access and apply it to your IoT device. Do you want to talk about installing Ubuntu Core on a Raspberry Pi if you want to get started with it? Yeah, so uh, the Pi is a very good platform, uh, obviously, for just tinkering with IoT. And we've recognized that at Ubuntu. And so we support uh, the, the Raspberry Pi as a first-class platform for Ubuntu Core. There are images uh, pre-made for that. Essentially, uh, like any Ubuntu Core device, uh, you, um, in this case, say you write that image out to a micro SD card or a USB drive, uh, boot that on your, uh, your Pi, and it will boot up Ubuntu Core. Uh, the first thing you then need to do is you tie it to your Launchpad account. So the reason we do this is because you can upload your public key to Launchpad, uh, your SSH public key to Launchpad, and that then means we are able to set up uh, SSH public key access only to your uh, Raspberry Pi in this case out of the box. So like Joe said, you know we aren't using SSH with hard-coded credentials or anything. Once that uh, is set up and initially configured, you're the only person that can access that Ubuntu Core device. Yeah, and actually, if you're going, if you're gonna set it up and try it yourself, just note it's going to say it uses your your Launchpad credentials to log in. So, don't waste five minutes like I did trying to log in with your email address that you use for Launchpad. It's your Launchpad username. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I, we make mistakes too. Yeah, oh, yeah, hey, hey, um, yeah. So, and then once you're set up, then you can install Snaps on that. Uh, you know, there are many different Snaps available in the Snap Store. Uh, there's even a bunch of different uh, tutorials online about how uh, different people have set up things like uh, like a portable Spotify uh, machine with a Raspberry Pi and a VPN endpoint, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, uh, I you know it's a really cool platform to both tinker with, but also to build real appliances out of. Yeah, and um, if there are more questions about Snaps, we have a person on our security team, um, Jamie, who has been sort of, I'll say, stationed with the SNAP team for the last couple of years. So we can we can pull him into this podcast and have him answer any SNAP questions. Yeah, we should totally get Jamie on here to talk more about SNAP security. And he's got pretty good taste in music, so we could talk about that too. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Okay, everybody, thanks for um, listening to Alex and I jibber-jabber about um, IoT. Let us know what you want us to talk about next time. We're always happy to talk security. So thanks again to Joe for that. Okay, so a couple things from the community. Uh, as you're all probably aware, Ubuntu 19.04 Disco Dingo has been released and you would have heard me talk about uh, some updates that we've already done in the past week for that. So this was released on Thursday the 18th of April. It's the current standard release of Ubuntu, so supported for nine months, uh, officially by Canonical, and therefore the security team are now supporting that as well. So packages in main are receiving security updates, and so expect me to be saying disco a lot more in the coming week's episodes. Uh, one other thing, Ubuntu 14.04 Trusty Tar has now uh, reached the end of its uh, standard support period and has transitioned to extended security maintenance. So uh, this happened on Thursday the 25th of April last week. Uh, users are now encouraged to upgrade to our other long-term support releases, in particular to uh, Bionic Beaver uh, 1804. Uh, via the, so the upgrade path is that you upgrade first to uh, Xenial uh, 1604 and then you can upgrade that to Bionic. 
And so we encourage users to uh, evaluate and test that and uh, put that into production if you can. However, if not, uh, if you uh, require still to use Ubuntu 14.04 Trusty Tar, you can receive extended security maintenance as part of the Ubuntu Advantage program. And so I've got a couple links in the show notes about that if you want more information on that. And finally, the team is still hiring. We have two open positions, one for an Ubuntu security generalist and one for a robotic security engineer. And I urge you to check out the links in the show notes and please apply for either of those positions. Okay, that takes us to the end of the episode. As usual, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach the team at security@ubuntu.com, or you can find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Hardened channel on the Freenode IRC network. Or if you want to catch us on Twitter, you can find us at Ubuntu underscore sec. Uh, and if there's anything you'd like us to talk about in future episodes, uh, feel free to send in your suggestions. Yeah, uh, but until next week, remember, keep calm, enable automated upgrades, and I will speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.